Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show where we talk about leadership, business, and human potential. I'm your host, Deborah Kosowski, and I'm really excited. I have a guest that I met several years ago, so excited to reconnect with Robert McPhee, and he is the creator of Excellent Decisions Leadership Program, an author also of Manifesting for Non-Gurus, How to Quickly and Easily Attract Lasting Results. He has spent last 15 years working in change facilitation and leadership development. Previously, he collaborated with Jack Canfield, the creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul book series, as the director of training for the Canfield Training Group. Robert honed his practical leadership strategies, serving as an executive in a variety of large companies and partnering with a number of entrepreneurial ventures. Robert's first endeavor after graduating from the University of California in San Diego was a summer job that he and his partner built into a company with 400 employees and millions of dollars in revenue. Please welcome to the show, Robert McPhee. Aww. It's always funny to have people reading a bio. You know, I feel like even though we haven't seen each other in a while, we have this personal connection and then it just doesn't come through in the bio, you know? <laughs> it's like, hey, Robert, give me a but hug. I also, I also love listening to it. It's like, wow, I did do all that stuff. Great way yeah. to start my day remembering all that. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, you've done some really amazing stuff. Yeah, you know, they say we should start our day with gratitude. And when I, when I think about the, especially in the context of work, the, the people that I've had the opportunity to work with and learn from really has just been an incredible blessing. You mentioned Jack Canfield, who I worked with for many years, who's one of the true pillars in this world and one of the people who is teaching amazing work, but also really practices what he preaches. You know, you peek behind the curtain and you see he lives his life really in alignment with the principles he teaches. And yes. through him, I've, I've just connected with so many other amazing people um, which is part of what I love so much about this whole journey of doing this work. Jack actually wrote the um, forward for my first book with Charmaine Hammond called GPS, Your Best Life. And I think we had, I don't know if it had just come out at the time that we met, because um, I know Jack was at the eWomen Network conference right. when we first met. And uh, he has always been a mentor of me, mine because I've gone through his Success Principles coaching program. Ah, as, as well years ago and I think you were still part of that at that time too yeah I worked with him when he was first developing his train the trainer program because part of what he's working on now is really leaving a legacy um, he he got so wrapped up in the whole chicken soup for the soul work um, that it, it kind of took him off course a little bit from his core work which is that success principles work that you mentioned and yeah now he, he really wants to make sure that that work continues so he's in a lot of different ways online live sessions um, training people to teach that work. And um, I actually helped him create the, the original Train the Trainer program. Yeah. So, And that's really yeah. exciting, Robert, because you actually left part of your legacy 
in there as well. And the richness of that program does have a lot to do with the work that you've done. Jack reached out to me. One of the things I do is, is facilitate mastermind groups. And one of the chapters in the success principles is about mastermind groups. And gosh, I don't even know when the original version of success principles came out. It was probably late nineties or early two thousands. And uh, he was doing an update and he, he reached out to me to ask if I would work with him on redoing the mastermind chapter. And I went and looked at it and went, Oh my God, this is so old. It's so dated. And I was like, <laughs> I'd love to work with you on it. And we literally actually, I, for the most part, literally went through and, and took all the things that I had worked with him on and, and some outside stuff and, and literally rewrote the whole chapter. So he put a really nice acknowledgement in the book for me about, you know, if you're interested in masterminding, Robert McPhee is the, the person you should reach out to. And I still get like, I get weird people reaching out to me on LinkedIn or to connect on Facebook or something. I'm like, I don't even know this person. Where did they come from? And a lot of times it's just because they read the, the success principles book and they saw my name there and they wanted to connect with me. So yeah, it helps it's good for you for having him write that forward because <laughs> I will tell you from working with Jack, there's a lot of people that ask him to do that. I mean, a lot. Yeah. And, and he has to be really selective about the people that he does that for. So it really says something about the work that, that he felt you and Charmaine were doing. So congratulations on that. Thank you, Robert. Since, since we're on the subject of masterminding, and this is, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do because I love to brainstorm. Uh -huh. And um, when I work with people in masterminds as well, I want, let's, let's, let's just dive in there. How the, Share with me your experience about the power of being in a mastermind. And this relates really, follows in with your ac excellent decision-making leadership because masterminding is a huge part of that. So right. tell, tell me what pulls you to masterminding because for me, it's the brainstorming, it's the creativity, it's the innovation. Yeah, it's an, it's so an incredible way to accelerate your results. And um, it does really tie into the excellent decisions approach, which is really the focus of my work right now is helping people make excellent decisions. And the way I define excellent decisions is that it's about making your decisions based on your own vision and values instead of all the external stress and pressure that so many of us are under uh, in today's you know, fast-changing, high-stress world. And where the mastermind group fits into that is you know, we look at the external stress and pressure, the external influences that are often influencing us so much and for so many people on an unconscious level. When people make a conscious choice to put external influences around them in the form of a mastermind group, a group of people whose opinions and ideas and insights they really respect, it can have such an amazing impact because they, they suddenly are surrounded by those external influences that are in alignment with their vision and values. It, if you and I took, you know, decided we wanted to put together a mastermind group, we would not pick people that are out of alignment with our vision and our values. We would pick people that have a lot to contribute to us achieving what it is we really want to achieve in life. So the other thing about mastermind groups now is that they're so kind of popular, if you will, that they've kind of, like people aren't even really clear, like, is this a mastermind group? Is that a mastermind group? And there are people out there who call things a mastermind group that, in my opinion, really aren't a mastermind group. You know, if you've got 50 people in a group and, and you call it a mastermind group, for the most part, there may be like mastermind groups within the mastermind group, but it's more of a teaching model at that point. And, and some people take a group coaching model and call it a mastermind group. But to me, the, the true mastermind group where the really magical things that I see happening 
happen is when you have a relatively small group and you have a facilitator who kind of keeps the group on track and keeps it moving and makes sure everyone's needs are met, but they're not the guru. You know, they're not the sage from the stage at the front of the room sharing their wisdom with everyone. They're, they are sharing their wisdom as part of the process, but they're really making the connections amongst the group and facilitating the learning that happens from one member to the next. Because if you and I are in a mastermind group and I'm leading it and the only person you ever hear from is me, then that that's, has some value, I like to think. Um, but you miss out on all the value of connecting on a really deep level with the person who's sitting next to you who has a whole different level of insight and, and awareness and ideas that could be just what you want to hear. And you know, if you've been in mastermind groups, I'm sure you've seen the same thing I have, but sometimes the greatest idea, the breakthrough thinking, the, oh my God, why didn't I think about myself moment comes from the most surprising source. You know, you're in a high level, you know, business mastermind with all these really successful people and someone's husband is sitting in the back of the room reading and he kind of raises his hand and says, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever thought of this, but if you might want to consider it. Oh my God, you know? <laughs> and, and so to me, masterminding is really a combination of, of the facilitation and, and, creating the environment and the structure that will allow it, but really facilitating the contact and the connection and the relationships amongst the members of the group. Um, and and I, I mean, I just, you could probably tell from listening to me talk about it. I love doing it because it's, it is, it's just magical sometimes what happens and, and the impact it has on people's lives to be part of a really effective mastermind group. Yeah. And what I've seen in masterminds that, like you said, the person that you think is the least likely source, and this is where you need to really, when you join these mastermind groups, you need to really be open. Because what I find is people come in with their judgments and think, oh, how's that person going to help me? You know, I'm way farther ahead than them or whatnot. But to go into these masterminds being open and always trusting that the people in the room are the ones who need, are there to serve you. Mm -hmm. It's just like when I'm having a workshop and sometimes I think, you know, there's not, maybe not as many people as I want there. And I've learned from my mentors, you don't cancel it because whoever yeah. is supposed to be in that room is going to be in that room for a reason. And yeah. you don't know who they're connected to and the experiences. And I remember years ago, um, I did that very thing, had a workshop. I think there was maybe, maybe four people. And I, I was like inside, I'm like, oh, they could get so much more value if I, had more people in the room and they were like, no, 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 we get you all to ourselves. Yeah. All of a sudden you get intimacy. That's not possible yeah. if you have 50 people in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And when they got to a different position in where they were going on their journey, they checked back with me and say, Deb, we want to bring you in. I have the opportunity. I have the authority to do this now. I'm bringing you in. And we had an amazing event over a hundred women. Uh, based on a connection I made years ago and made sure that I didn't cancel anything. And it turned I have a, I have a coaching a client right now who's, I have a coaching client right now who's headed to an event to speak and she was all stressing out about needing to get 20 people to sign up for her program. And, and I was like, just take a breath and, and think about what if there's just one person in that room? I think there's going to be a hundred or 120 people, something like that there. I said, what if there's just one person in that room who wants to work with you, but not just work with you, but work with you on a really deep and really ongoing level and, and is like your ideal client, you know, and what if you just focused on, you know, there's just one person and she just, her energy just like 
lightened up and, and she opened up and she was just like, ah, oh, yeah, that would be great. You know, and, it, and if she brings that stressed out energy, she's probably not even going to get one client, certainly not going to get 20. And if she just goes in knowing that there's, you know, what if there's one person here who's just the person who's meant to work with me? Um, how wonderful would that be? And then she brings a whole different energy to, to the presentation. Yeah. So. And the ideal client too, because often yeah. I, I found in my own experiences that when you want something and say, well, I'm looking at the conversion, I want 20 people. It might be uh, that one person who really wants to work with you, who's going to be the go-getter. And then you might have 19 that don't fit and you're going to be chasing them. And yeah. nobody wants those clients. Yeah. It's so true. And I'm, one of the one of the concepts that's really at the core of my work that I feel like is so important is is the concept of high intention but low attachment. And when people get to that place of I need to get 20 clients, I have to get 20 clients. My my life is not going to be complete. You know that that have to need to. And and especially in a sales or enrollment conversation, we've all been in those conversations with somebody who needs to make the sale, and it's just like it's just gross, right? It's just so not attractive in the, in the literal sense. Like I'm not drawn to that person. I'm not like wanting to know more about what they do. I'm wanting to turn and run as fast as I can. And yet someone who's, you know, selling something or enrolling in something and they have a level of passion and excitement and they'd love to have you join, but it's really okay if you don't, those are the people that you end up saying, I don't even understand what you're selling, but you know, I want two of them, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you just yeah. get enrolled into their passion and their excitement. And, um, it's, to me, this, the, the key to that is gratitude. You know, if that, the person is getting up on stage and they, they have to get 20 new clients, to me, they're doomed. Like, that's just a, 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 a terrible energy to bring to the stage. But if someone gets up on stage and they're truly grateful to be there and have the opportunity to connect with these people and they're grateful to the people they already have in their practice and the work that they're blessed to be able to do and they're just going to share about it. And, and then people like, I want that. I want to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, that, that high intention and, and low attachment. And, um, you were also you know, talking about the mastermind group and being open to all the people that were in it. Yeah. One of the things that you hear a lot is that you should, you should have all these people in your mastermind group that are further along the path than you are, you know, get people who are already doing what you want to do. But there's a mathematical thing involved here. Like if everybody wants to be in a group filled with people who are already accomplishing at a level that's higher than theirs. It's like, you know, my oldest daughter's a PhD math student. I don't need her to figure out that that, that can't happen. You need yeah. to be open, like you said, to receiving the feedback and the ideas and the insights from the surprising sources, from people who are on a different path than yours or, or not as far along, um, but have that beginner's mind, that new fresh perspective that maybe you've lost because you're further along and further into it. So. So Robert, one of the things that you talked about when we were talking about the mastermind is being so clear on your core values. And mm -hmm. when you're making these masterminds so that you have this alignment, what I want to know from you is how did you determine your core values? And when people are looking at theirs, what can they do? Well, I think, you know, as I said, with my excellent decisions work, it's really based on vision and values and, and having clarity about vision and values to me is, is so critical. And, and I just don't see how people can really lead the kind of life they want to lead and, and attract the kind of results and have the kind of experiences they really want without having a vision, which points you in the direction of, of what that looks like, kind of seeing into the future of what it would look like. 
and, and of values, which to me values on, on the one hand are very simple, but there's a really important distinction that I find a lot of people don't pursue or don't make when they're, they're exploring their own values. So the simple side of it to me is that to, to really get into your values, there's a really simple question you can either ask yourself or have someone else ask you. And the question is, what is important to you? Because to me, that's what values are. My own values are really an analysis of, of what's important to me. And it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It's just really from my own personal experience, from, from that point of view of vision and creating the kind of life and relationships and health and financial security and all those kinds of things that I want in my life. Like what's really important to me? So it's a simple question and you can literally, you know, we talked about the work with Jack Canfield, one of the, the techniques and strategies that Jack taught me as a facilitator is something called a repeating question exercise where you and I could be partners in an exercise and, and I would go first and you would just ask me that question over and over again. And, and I would just answer, you know, what's important to you? What's important to you? What's important to you? And just let it come out. Just let it brainstorm and see what shows up and you can sort it all out later. But the distinction that I have found incredibly powerful and, and again, most people I don't think really make it. And I think it's part of the confusion about values is when you ask yourself that question, what is important to you? Two things tend to show up. One is the, the things, I call them the nouns, that are really important to you. Like for me, when I look at my values, the number one thing is my children. I have three amazing children and I have this you know, incredible relationship with them. And it's that one thing, you know, like I would take a bullet, you know, and everything else takes a back seat. You know, just I would do anything for my children. Um, number two is the planet. Like for me, I look at what's going on in the world and, and you know, being a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem is, is really, really important to me because without that, I feel like, you know, we're in trouble. <laughs> like that has to be really, really important. Um, the third thing is my own personal health. Um, so anyway, I can go right down the list, but these are the things like the, the, the nouns in my life that are really important to me. And then the other thing that tends to show up and a lot of people will have you look at a list of values and pick what your values are. And I call these the adjectives, which is kind of the way you want to live your life. Like, like for me, there's a list of words that include love and compassion and caring and empathy that are the way I want to live my life. I actually have a, I have a vision and value statement that I review every morning and every evening. And in that is that list. And just reminding myself kind of not just what I want to be accomplishing, the nouns, you know, I want to be contributing to the planet. I want to have great relationships with my kids. I want to have a successful business. Those are the, the what's, but the, the how's, are, are doing it in a way where I show up as a, a caring and compassionate and spiritual and loving. You know, there's a whole long list. I can't remember them all. Like, that's why I have them all written down. Because, you know, I look at the list and I go, oh, I should really cut it down to five. Like, oh my God, how can I cut that list down? That's like, it's who I really am. Yeah. So, you know, if people allow themselves to ask that question, what's really important to me, and then look at it from both of those, those perspectives, to me, it creates a, a tremendous amount of clarity about, first of all, where you want to put your time and attention, what you want to work on, which is not always the most important thing. Like when I'm working with coaching clients, you know, if I was working with myself and I looked at my list of goals or my list of values, rather, um, working on my relationship with my kids wouldn't be the area that I would want to work on because it's already like it's the most important thing. 
So I want to make sure I'm putting some attention on it, but it's already going really well. Like I have these amazing relationships with my kids. Um, I'm already very active in, in working on social justice issues and environmental issues in ways that I'm really pleased with. So that's not necessarily why I want to kind of do some work. Um, most of what I'm really focusing on right now in terms of goals is, is in my business. So that's like the number five value on my list, but it's the one where I really feel like I want to, I want to up level. I want to make a change. Right. So. Right. So when, when you're thinking about people knowing their values and you're very clear on your values and I've noticed how you've built it into your morning and evening routine. So tell us a little bit about your morning and evening routine and how it, you have seen it set you up for your successes. I, I think it's critical. Um, you know, again, the, you know, I look at everything now through this excellent decisions model. And, you know, in order to get to a place where you're making excellent decisions, it's, it's really important to have that clarity of vision and values but it's also important to be aware of kind of what your hard wiring is. So, you know, like right now I'm trying to make decisions that will lead to some improvements, some changes, some growth in the, in the business and career and money area of my life. But in the meantime, I've got this hard wiring. Like there's a, you know, there, there's a reason why I'm, I'm doing things the way I'm doing them now and getting the results that I'm getting now. And, and that's kind of what I call the hard wiring. And to me, the value of a daily ritual, it's like, it's like changing an autopilot. And it, and it doesn't happen overnight. I remember there's a, a scene in the movie, I think it's The Secret. Maybe it's What the Belief. But anyway, it's one of those movies where they said, you know, it's a really good thing. We don't just imagine an outcome that we want and, and it happens. Because, you know, everything that we imagine just happened in an instant, it would be pretty crazy. It takes time. I actually use a model where we start with the self-image, we start with the vision and values. We use that as a source to come up with new ideas, new thinking, and allow that new thinking to drive the actions that we take, the way we show up in the world, and from those actions is where our results and experiences come from. And it would be great if we just changed our self-image and the new results showed up, but the reality is it takes time. And during that time, it can be really uncomfortable I mean, to me, the work that, that we're doing, you and I both, is helping people get outside their comfort zone, outside their familiarity zone, do things that are unusual and, and again, uncomfortable for them so that they can create new results and new experience, create their life more the way they want it to go. And the daily ritual is like changing your autopilot, like making it so that you have new habits. Um, I actually call it creating a new comfort zone. Um, that model I was just talking about built into that is that I believe a comfort zone occurs when our current beliefs about who we are, you know, if I'm working with someone on their health and they have a, a belief that they're overweight, out of shape, and don't like to exercise, and they're trying to get healthy, well, that belief about who they really are is, is like an anchor that they're dragging behind them. So if we get them to change their belief first and see the possibility of being a healthy, fit, active, engaged, energetic person, at first that's very uncomfortable because they you know, get them affirming and doing their daily visualizations and whatever, and then they look in the mirror and they go, that's not, I'm not healthy and vibrant. Look at me, I look terrible. Yeah. Um, but over a period of time, if we work with that person, and again, this is the value of the mastermind and the coaching and the support and the accountability that, that happens with the kind of work that you and I do, um, 
over a period of time, if we keep that person focused on that new self-image, I, I am healthy and fit, I can, it, I can do this, it's possible, I've been there before, whatever, then they do start thinking differently. They say, well, you know, if I would just clear all that junk food out of my cabinet, that would help, and, and they take that action, and they do that. And then they say, you know, if I would just go for a walk three days a week, that would, you know, and they start getting ideas and taking actions, and health is great because, you know, it's pretty simple. If you move more and eat less, you're going you're gonna to get in shape pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But, but what happens is that people literally create a new comfort zone over a period of time by thinking differently and acting differently. You can create new results and the new results will match that new self-image that was so uncomfortable when you first started. And it's super cool when one day someone wakes up and they go, you know, I am healthy and fit. And they look in the mirror and go, Wow, I really am healthy. And yeah, it matches. Yeah, I'm not just I'm not just imagining it. I'm not just visualizing it. It's actually happened. And at that point, because your self image, you know, matching your results is your comfort zone, you literally create a new comfort zone. And this can be true in a relationship or with your level of money, whatever it might be. When you create that new comfort zone, not all of it, because in my opinion, the hard wiring never goes away. But a lot of the resistance that shows up initially when we try to do something new, when we try to make mm -hmm. changes, you know, that you're not in shape or you'll never make that much money or whatever, um, it, it goes away, literally. And, and people don't have such a hard time, you know, it's great. You know, we know all these people that lose weight. Yeah, they've lost hundreds of pounds because they lose 20 and they gain it back and they lose 20 and they gain it back. Yeah. And, and I admit to being biased, but I believe that self-image, that vision and values question is, is really right at the core of it. So. Definitely. Did, did, I ever, did I ever share with you the prosperity game no. that I facilitate? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know when you're going to make this live. I actually, I have one starting in uh, just like two weeks, but it's a game that I facilitate online where every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for four weeks, I send out an email to the participants and in the email is a check. Like there's a picture of a check. Yeah. And the game is played by clicking through to a private Facebook page and answering two questions. One is, where did this money come from? You know, did I find it? Did I earn it? Did someone give it to me? Whatever. I could win it in a lottery. And is Whatever it all choose, different but, amounts on these checks? Well, that's, that's the kicker. So the first question is, um, where did it come from? And then the second question is, what am I going to do with it? You can spend it. You can invest it. You can give it away. Whatever you want. So you get to choose. And you, you kind of... Spoiler alert, you got the, the punchline because every time I send out a message, the amount of the check doubles. Cool. So, so people, what happens is, you know, we talk about that comfort zone issue. We all have like a comfort zone around money, right? Like, yeah. you know, I earn this much and I'm stretching myself to try and earn this much. But this game, I, I won't tell you the actual numbers, but because if anyone wants to play, you know, they can just go to my website and click on events and, and the prosperity cool. game is there and, and it's free. And for me, it's a great way for people to get an experience of, first of all, their own self-imposed limitations around money and, and how they play that game called money um, in a really safe and fun kind of environment. And it's also a way for people to get to know me. You know, they, they have the chance to interact with me because I play along every time I facilitate the game. I play along with them yeah. and I give feedback. Um, every one of those messages I send out, I share a little insight about how to get the most value from playing the game. And then people, you know, it's a great opportunity for me because people get a sense of kind of who I am and what I do and how I do it. And, and I end up, you know, with people who want to work with me because of it. Um, but that, that comfort zone, 
it's such a powerful thing and it's so magical because in the context of this prosperity game, everyone at some point in the game, sometimes it's pretty early. I mean, I've had people, you know, a check for $4,000 and they're freaking out. Like, where would that even come from? Um, and again, I won't tell you the numbers, but $4,000 is early in the game. So we, we yeah. start, you know, with a few hundred dollars and then it doubles and doubles and doubles and gets to be a really big number. Well, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, you should just, again, you know, just, you can just go to my website. There's an events tab. It directs you to the to the uh, tab to, the page to sign up, and again, it's completely free. I, I do it just as a way. To, it's like my um, two things. One, it's a way to give back. I, I wish I could charge for it, but there's a real funny paradox. You know, it's this opportunity for people to break through all their money limitations. But I charge. You know, I've, I've done it and charged twenty dollars, and nobody signs up. I'm like, oh my god, really? Like, yeah. this could totally change your whole you know, attitudes and beliefs and perspective of money and break you through to a whole different level and you won't spend $20 to play. Um, so for me, the best way to do it is just do it for free and share it and, and have it be a way for people to get to know me. Well, we're going to go take this live on Tuesday. So they have two weeks before you roll it out to get people signed up. Yeah. So oh, the, awesome. the, um, so what is today? Is today the 15th or? Yeah. So it's yeah, so we're starting. Night. Yeah, so we're starting a week from Monday. We start on on June twenty fifth. Okay. But even if I mean, if someone hears about this, and you know, it could be weeks or months later. You know, I do this usually once a quarter, um, and so there's, there's usually one coming up. And the other thing is, even if someone's hearing about this game, you know, the day we're starting or a couple of days later, I always let people join during the first week. After the first week is complete, you know people are into the game and it's kind of got some momentum and I, I don't want people to kind of jump on a moving train. Um, but if people are hearing about this, um, you know, up until what would it be June, well, July 1st would be the last day people would be able to sign up. Okay. Awesome. We'll yeah, make come play. It'll be fun. It is. It's super fun. I'm going to play. Yeah. I'm going to play. It's going to be cool. Yeah. So the other thing that when you mentioned when we were talking about the masterminds and the core values and it's that accountability piece. Mm -hmm. So, why do people avoid accountability? You know, we say that, you know, I'm accountable. I take ownership, but ac ac accountability and responsibility mm -hmm. they often are used interchangeably. So I just want to get your take on that. Yeah. And I do think accountability and responsibility kind of go together. Um, we talked about the work that I did with Jack Canfield and his success principles book. And the number one principle in that book is taking hundred percent responsibility. And I always, it's always part of what I teach, you know, all this other conversation, I believe is pretty much a waste of time unless people are willing to take hundred percent responsibility. Cause at some point, you know, in order to create a new result, you do have to take action. And at some point, the only thing preventing you from taking a different kind of action is that person you see in the mirror every morning, you know, and, and, and the willingness to just accept responsibility for what's happened to you up to this time in your life and, and what's going to happen moving forward. To me, moving forward is even more important. The whole conversation about personal responsibility for what's already happened, especially when we see some of the horrible things we see in the world with abuse and, and that type of thing. And, and, you know, it's not that it's someone else's fault, but the, the issue of responsibility gives us the opportunity to move forward beyond whatever has happened up until now. The ability, I mean, Jack teaches it as literally, you know, the events in your life, you have the choice of how to respond to them and, and whatever you choose will determine the outcomes that happen from here forward. 
So, you know, whatever situations or circumstances have happened or are happening in your life, the point of power is that we can choose how to respond. Um, and then accountability, and I love the connection that you made between the two because accountability from someone else in your life who you really trust takes it to a whole different level because you can make a commitment. I have a good friend, Scott Cody, who developed a leadership program for NASA. He's one of my mentors and teachers. And he says goals are a waste of time, that you need to make commitments. Mm -hmm. and, and commitments are only measured, you know, whether or not you're committed has nothing to do with what you say or how you say it or your tone of voice or your posture or anything else. It has to do with whether you're taking action. So if you tell me you're committed to doubling your income, I can check back in with you in a week and find out whether you're committed. Because if you were, you know, eating bonbons and updating your website and checking your Facebook page all week, then you're not committed. And that's fine. That's your choice. But, you know, commitments are only measured by action. And when people are willing to bring in outside accountability, it's like taking that concept of responsibility and, and, and up-leveling it. You know, now, and, and there's just something about human nature that we're more likely to do something if we made a commitment, not just to ourselves, but to someone else. So I'm going to do this. You know, if you're, again, I love health examples because the what to do is so simple. If, my, if I make a commitment to go to the gym, that's one thing. But if I make a commitment to go to the gym and I ask you to be my accountability partner and meet me at the gym three days a week and be my workout partner, now when the alarm goes off that it's time to go to the gym and, and I know that you're going to be there waiting for me, there's just a reality to the fact that I'm more likely to go. Um, and so, you know, I think accountability is so important. And, and again, the whole comfort zone thing, you know, when the alarm goes off, and you got to get out of bed and you, know, you don't really want to go to the gym. That's the uncomfortable part. And the way to, to kind of shift that over time is to get into the habit of getting up and going to the gym. And if you have a, a really good accountability partner, someone who you really don't want to let down, who's going to be part of that process, especially at the beginning when you're starting to establish that new habit, it can get you over the hump and get you to accomplish things that um, you just otherwise wouldn't accomplish. Do you know, um, do you know who Mel Robbins is? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was just introduced to her work a few months ago and I'm like a, a raving fan, a good friend of mine who's in network marketing has been very successful. And she was coming back from this conference with her sister and I was asking her how it went. And she said, Oh, it was fabulous. We had so much fun and we met all these amazing people and we're on fire about our business. And yeah. Mel Robbins was amazing. And I was like, Mel Robbins, who's who is, is that like Tony Robbins' brother or something? Like I had no idea who that was. Yeah. Turns out he's a she, first of all. I don't know if it's Melinda or Melissa or whatever her, her full name is, but Mel Robbins is a she. And and I just love her work uh, at, about you know this five second rule that she teaches, which is a whole mm -hmm. other conversation. You should call her up and have her as a guest. But it's all built on the fact that our mind trying to keep us safe from these incredibly dangerous things that we're faced with today, like going to the gym, right? Anything that's new and different and uncomfortable, the mind feels like we're in danger. And within five seconds, we'll start trying to talk us out of it. Oh no, don't do that. Don't make those sales calls. Don't go to the gym. Don't have that difficult conversation about your relationship. That's dangerous. You know, yeah. you could really, you know, and it's crazy. Like those are the things we need to do to live the life we really want to live. So if you have that accountability to get through and, and have something to at least compete 
with that, that mind kicking in and automatically trying to talk you out of it. Yeah. To me, that's the real power of it. Yeah. It's that five, four, three, two, one, go. And it really yeah, it's so cool. It's like, yeah, if anybody, if anybody's listening that hasn't heard of Mel Robbins, it's M-E-L and Robbins like Tony, just, I, I just Googled her. Like, I was like, who's Mel Robbins? And I, I totally trust this woman who I was talking to. I was like, oh, she loved, if she loved him and thought he was great. <laughs> that's and what I was her, thinking at the time. Oh, yeah. He's a she, how about that? But I watched this video of her being interviewed and sharing her story and her approach. And I was just like, that's brilliant. It's uh, like, I literally, like right here in front of my computer, I have this little card. It says five, four, three, two, one, which is part of her strategy for making decisions and getting into action. And it's really so simple. I love simplicity. You know, I don't want to make anything like really difficult and complicated. I just want it to be simple, get right into action. So anyway, I, I just love that. And, and it's a form of accountability on some level. Yeah, absolutely. Accountability to yourself. Because I find that those commitments, what happens is we'll commit to so many other people. Mm-hmm. But we don't value those same commitments to ourselves that we need. Yeah. Like going to the gym, somebody might pick up the phone and say, hey, you're free. They look at their calendar, calendar space is empty. And they have this to-do list that's long right beside their desk that they haven't put the to-dos in their calendar. And then they're like, oh, I got lots of time. I can cancel that. It's not a big deal. And all of a sudden they wonder why they're not getting the results that they want. Yeah. Because they don't have the same commitment to themselves. Exactly. And, you know, we talked about the vision and values work and it becomes even even more tragic on some level for someone who really has done the vision and values work and they're really clear about what's really important to them and then their vision and they become more likely to get into action, but they're still faced with, like you said, all the commitments that other people are trying to push on them and all the external influences and, you know, the media and the social media and the friends and the family and the boss and the coworkers and all that, that don't just go away when we decide to clarify our vision and values and without structure in place without having support systems in place without having accountability and having encouragement and and other forms of support even with real clear vision and values i mean that helps but even with real clear vision and values it's still really hard like again those external influences and stresses and and demands don't just go away because we decided to clarify our vision and value. Well, let's, let's go there. Let's talk about how those external pressures and other influences influence the decisions that we make. Well, again, you know, the model that I teach starts with your, ideally starts with your self image determining the way you think and then the way you act and the results that show up in your life and, and the degree to which we can go through life with really clear vision and values and what's important to us and have that determine the way we think and therefore the way we act and, and therefore the results we get, you know, it sounds really simple, but this, this thing about external influences is what complicates it in a huge way. First of all, we live in a world where it's, you know, it's not just one influence. I mean, again, it's, it's friends, it's family, it's your boss, your coworkers, the media, social media, advertising, radio, television. It's like, you know, we're completely bombarded by all these external influences and, and I like to use the example of advertising to kind of help people understand what I'm talking about because advertising is designed fully understanding this model about the way we think determines the way we act, which determines the results we get. Advertising is designed to get us to think in a certain way. It gets us to see images in our mind and think a certain way, intending to get us to act 
a certain way, buy that product, do what they're asking us to do, which creates a result, no question about it, but it creates a result that's good for them, you know, the company that's advertising. So, you know, beautiful women in bikinis holding beer, you know, buy beer, you know, create result for them called sell beer, but create result for me called not very productive and don't feel too good in the morning, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, being aware, uh, one of the reasons I love to teach this model is people who never really looked at it through this lens suddenly understand why they've continued to struggle with money, why they've continued to struggle with their health, why they go from one dysfunctional relationship to another, because they have a self-image. Like if you want to know what your current self-image is, it's pretty darn easy. You just look at what your current results are. If you're making $100,000 a year, chances are you have $100,000 a year self-image. And if you want to double your income, I believe the place to start is double your self-image. You know, think of yourself as a $200,000 a year person. What would that look like? What would I have to do differently? What are the actions I would need to take? You're going to get these, you know, and it sounds simple. Meanwhile, your friends, your family, all the people around you are used to you being a $100,000 a year person. And if you double your income, it's going to make them very uncomfortable because mm -hmm. they haven't doubled their income. So it's kind of in their best interest to get you to just, just tone it down a little bit here, Deborah. You know, you don't need to be going 200,000 because then I'm only making 50 and I'm not going to feel great if you're making 200. So those external influences are just trying to, like your mind, you know, just, just keep everything status quo. We'd all be much happier and much more comfortable if you didn't change because every time you change, it makes us feel like we need to change. You know, and everyone gets all kind of freaked out. So being aware of that, it gives you the power to say, thank you for your feedback. And I'm doubling my income anyway, because that's Absolutely. my vision. That's my values. <laughs> that's what's important to me. Like in my case, if I double my income, the money doesn't mean anything. You know, the money in and of itself you know, 100,000, 200,000, a million, it doesn't mean anything. But if I look at what I can do for my kids, which are number one on my values list, if I look at, at how much more I can do for the planet, for social justice issues, for the environment, you know, if I have twice as much money, like Jim Rohn, who's one of my favorite kind of business philosophers, said more money will make you more of who you really are. So if you're someone like me who loves his kids and is really concerned about the planet and is committed to his own health, if I double my own income, I can do more in all those areas. So the, the money itself is like, you know, more money, you know, what does that do? Um, if I'm a jerk who doesn't care about anybody else and is just totally selfish and, you know, wants to go out drinking every night, double my income and see what happens to me, you know, I can... I can drink more. I can be even more mean than I was before, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's super important to have that level of awareness of how the, first of all, what your external influences are, who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? You know, how many hours of television are you watching? Uh, what channel are you listening to on the radio when you're driving or whatever, you know, somebody turns off the, the news channel and starts listening to audiobooks. That's an external influence, and, and one external influence will, will push you in one direction, the other one will push you in a different direction. Um, so being aware of that and making choices about what the external influences are going to be in your life is one of the really powerful ways to accelerate the results you want. Yeah. 
I love, you know, I was just thinking here, Robert, that, you know, I started off by saying, hey, how are those questions? <laughs> I said, yeah. And we have not even really used those questions at all. And this is so completely organic and I'm loving every minute of it. Good. Yeah. Well, we did talk about not sticking with the script. Exactly. We had an agreement. So and, I think and that like we talked about ahead of time, you know, I, I come from a very kind of left brain structured, organized, you know, wanting yeah. everything all planned out kind of background. But you know, you hang around with people like Jack Canfield long enough, you can learn about intuition and meditation yeah. and, and trusting your instincts and things like that. And I mean, I've been blessed because of the work that I do and the people that I've been connected with. I've, I've been on both sides of this conversation. I've done a lot of interviewing, yeah. which I love to do. I love to be in your seat, but I also love to be interviewed. I love to share, you know, what I've had the opportunity to learn and what I'm working on now and, and, and all that. And, and the very best interviews I've ever done are the, the ones where, you know, today we didn't even start with the first question. Usually we start with the first question on the list and see where it leads, but we just went off on a tangent from the start. Yeah. Um, but if you really think about it, like, you know, I've got the questions here, but I think if we look at the questions, we'll see that we've covered a lot of the things yes. that we wanted to talk about, just yeah. not in the order that we intended to talk about them. No, no, and, not at all. And it's, it's a really good example. You know, I talked about high intention and low attachment and part yeah. of that is also not worrying about how like you, I mean, you and I haven't even talked to each other in a long time and I don't know kind of where you even like pulled me back up and said, Hey, I feel called. I'm guessing it was like an intuitive thing. You came across mm -hmm. me and said, Hey, I want to have Robert as a guest on, well, on our the friend podcast. Teresa DeGropa. There you go. Yeah. Reminded us that we need a great connector, <laughs> the great connector. She's so awesome. Um, yeah. so, um, so yeah, like there was something in you, and you you've done a lot of work, I know. So intuitively, you know, Teresa said, "Oh, you should talk to Robert," and and you got a yes on that. Yeah, and, absolutely. And Teresa could have suggested someone else, and you would have said, eh, "Thanks for the suggestion, but I'm not feeling it. You know, I don't yeah, really feel exactly. like that's it." Exactly. Um, and that's where to me that's where the really magical things happen. We just allow the conversation to evolve the way it's supposed to evolve and stay connected to the people we're supposed to be connected yeah. to. And now you're like going to be playing the prosperity game yesterday. with me. So we're still going to be connected. It's going to be awesome. I do have one question that I want to, I want you to tell us about your book that manifesting for the non gurus, how to quickly <laughs> and attract uh, easily attract those lasting results. So you yeah. know, we hear a lot about manifestation and my, my closest thing to that the other day is I was in Calgary visiting so I don't know the area very well I was coming into town I was looking that I was going to go to the gym and I said you know this gym closes in 40 minutes I'm like well that's not enough I'm not even there yet so then I looked at the next gym and it said okay it's downtown I get downtown Calgary I'm driving in circles around Stevens Avenue to go to this good life fitness there and I'm driving around driving around and I'm sitting behind this lights and there's this construction area there's two cars in front of me and finally I just <laughs> put my hands in the air and I said okay if you want me to go to the gym, get me a parking stall because this is driving me crazy. And not sooner did the light turn green, the two cars moved ahead, the other car pulled out of his parking stall. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that was a sign. So off to the gym I went. I was like, man, I need to do that more often. But I would like to know about how you do it. Well, it's interesting. And, and I think it was before we actually hit the record button, we were talking a little bit about my book. And um, my book came out in 2010. And it was right when I was actually transitioning out of the work that I was doing with Jack. So the, the work in my book kind of mirrors Jack's work in some ways. 
but it was really intended to take a book like the success principles that's 64 principles and 450 pages or something like that and and my book is just a little book and and it's intentional because i feel like in today's world we're all so busy if you look at the success principles which is like the size of the bible and it's on the table you go oh my when am i ever going to have time <clears throat> to read that and my intention was to create a book that would be sitting on the table or the kitchen counter or the nightstand or whatever. And someone would look at it and go, Oh, I could read that. You know, it's just a little, yeah. a little book. So it's really intended to kind of distill the essence of the really core foundational principles. And the idea with the title manifesting for non gurus was that manifesting is attracting the results that we really want in our life. You know, sometimes like your parking store is a great example. Um, you know, sometimes it feels like it happens really magically, but there were some things that led up to that and there was some intention that led up to that. And it wasn't really just magical and, you know, the true magical thinking manifesting. I really don't believe that it works that way. You know, again, yeah. there's an action component. You had to get up that morning. You had to put on your workout clothes. You had to get in your car. You had to drive over there. And those are to me the, the action steps that lead up to. And, and my guess is that if that wasn't the parking spot that opened up, there would have been another one shortly after that, because now that's what you're looking for. That's what your awareness is tuned into. You're mm -hmm. looking, you know, in a different way, like looking for a parking spot. Like I need to find a parking spot. I have to find a parking spot. <laughs> that's when, you know, you just passed one and you didn't see it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what you described was actually a really great example of high intention and low attachment. Like to the point where your low attachment was like, screw it. If I don't find a parking place, I'm not going to work out. That's, it. that's that no it. attachment, right? That's <laughs> literally unattached. Like I'm yeah. not going to. And, and in all of our, like think about relationships. When someone really needs to be in a relationship, like if you're single and you're looking to meet people and you meet someone who really needs to be in a relationship, I have to find somebody. That is the most like unattractive, gross yeah. like, thing. You just want to get away from that person. But if someone's really like intending, they're open to being in a relationship, but they have no need, they have no attachment. They're just waiting for the right person to come along. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are like, oh my God, can I just hang out with you? Like, I don't, I don't you know, like I want to be a part of, of what you're doing. Yeah. So, so the idea of manifesting was, you know, kind of the magical thinking is what it sounds like. But my experience is that it's very practical. And then the, the non-gurus part of it was, you know, here I am, I'm not a guru. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody who went to India and lived in a cave for 20 years and walks around wearing an orange robe and chanting mantras. I'm just a normal guy. But I believe that just normal people can learn simple strategies for how to attract more of the results they want in their lives, do it in ways that are not so difficult and, and take so long, and do it in a way that the results actually last. And the model that we touched on a couple of times with, you know, your self-image leads to the way you think and the way you act and the results that show up in your life. To me, that's the process of manifestation. It's getting really clear about what it is you do want and the kind of life you do want to live and, and what you're going to give in, in return for attracting that into your life and being open to new ideas and letting go of the attachment and taking action. And that's where, you know, the parking space magically opens up where you yeah wake up one day and you, you know, you have a big new client or you're, you know, you lost 20 pounds or whatever it is. It's just doing that process over and over again. And I actually created a journal that went along with my book kind of because of the, the things we talked about earlier with accountability and with kind of sticking with it and having a daily ritual. The idea was to have people sit down and do a journal entry every day to reconnect to what it is that's really important to them and 
the possibility of creating it and why it's important to them and going through a process to let go of any attachments that show up and, and finish that journal entry with what are my actions? Like what are the specific actions I'm going to take today? So people were reading the book and, and using the journal and I was getting all this, all this great feedback and everything. Um, but like, again, like I told you before we hit the record button, uh, I, I tell people four years of, you know, clever title manifesting for non gurus, but horrible brand, like for my business, you know, when I go out and I want to work with entrepreneurs and leaders and organizations and I hand them over a copy of a book that says manifesting for non gurus, like their eyes roll back in their head. And it's like, well, I don't know who you are, dude, but you know, we're a business. Like we got stuff to do. I'm not yeah. about manifesting and I don't need a new guru. So I literally like right now, I don't, I don't, I have my book right here, but I don't have one of the, the stickers that I use, but I had stickers made that say excellent decisions. And if I'm in a meeting with a client and I'm sharing my book, I take the sticker out of the inside of the book and I peel the back off and I put the sticker right on the front of the book and just retitle my book right in front of their face because it's the same content. It's the same message. Yes. And it really is practical. I mean, you can tell from listening to me, I'm not Mr. Magical Thinking. You know, I'm not going to tell people to go home and sit on their couch and meditate a certain way and light enough candles and chant the right mantra and whatever. And all their dreams are going to come true. Like you gotta take action. We gotta get in the game. Um, but that it didn't really come through in the title, so that's that's why I've had to change. Definitely about getting in the game. Thanks for uh, telling us a little bit about it. And I know we've come pretty much close to the end of our interview, so I wanted to let the audience know how they can stay in touch with you and be part of this prosperity game that we're. I'm gonna join in. <laughs> Yeah, please join us. It's it's super fun. Like I said, it's free. It's it just takes a few minutes to play. But if anyone has um, money issues in their life, they, they kind of resonate with that idea that the main thing getting in our way in terms of getting to a higher level of abundance and opening up to new possibilities in the area of money um, is our our own beliefs and attitudes about money and about work and about you know what's possible. This game is a really fun way to explore that and get some really powerful insights and. And the best way to, to either connect to play the game or just to connect with me is just to go to my website, which is excellentdecisions.com. Decisions is plural. And for the prosperity game, there's an events tab. And my contact information is at the bottom of every page. And, you know, if people are interested, if you want to connect with me, I'm not one of these people who has 12 gatekeepers between me and the people that are trying to reach out to me. Um, if what we talked about today resonates with you and you want to know more about the work that I do and whether it's a good fit for you, just, just give me a call or send me an email. We can set up a time to, to do a consultation. I can learn more about you and you can learn more about me and we can see if it's a good fit. I do coaching and consulting. Uh, I call my coaching transformational coaching now. I finally found a label for it that I feel like really fits well. And the idea of transformation for me is one kind of sharing information. A lot of today's conversation is about sharing information, but then there's a second stage called putting together a new plan, a new strategy, like what am I going to do differently? And then the third step of transformation that you brought up a lot today, which I love is the follow-up. You know, it's having the accountability in place. It's having someone or, or many people who are really encouraging you and supporting you along the way while you're working towards creating those new habits and, and new comfort zones. So um, yeah, I'd love to, love to connect with people in your community and help them in any way I can. So the website's the best way to do that. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. What would be one final word of wisdom since the theme is pretty much accountability and masterminding? So what would be your final words of wisdom for our audience? Wow. I was a little intimidated by that question, but I'm glad you like went on a little bit and gave me a chance <laughs> to think about it because, because something, and you know, this is the, this is a really good example too, because that's, that's a question that I kind of wasn't ready for. Like, and, and anytime somebody says like, what's one word I go into that whole thing, like, Oh my God, what if I pick the wrong one? I'm like, right. Like it's like your soulmate or something. You But, but then just like having the awareness and having done the amount of work that I've done, I recognize that thinking in my head and I go, Oh, shut up, you know, take a breath, relax for a second. And in doing that, like what came to me is, is a really important one. And I'm really glad you asked me because what I really do, I believe is, is tell people thrive. And, and that's what I would want to do. That's what I'd, I'd want to help you do with your people is, is create an environment for people where they really feel like they're thriving. And, and thriving to me, this is so cool because I'm going to get to share something that I really wanted to share. So thriving to me is really simple. It's achieving at a really high level, like, you know, doing amazing things, making a lot of money and having great relationships and being really healthy and all those things, like achieving at a really high level, which I think as human beings, we're all driven to do but also doing it in a way that we're truly happy. Like to me, one of the most sad things is when you see someone who's achieving at a really high level, they have it all going on, but they're miserable. You know, they're not happy. Their relationships are falling apart or their health is falling apart. They're making a lot of money and doing the deals and whatever. So to me, it has to be a balance. And, and that's what thriving is. I want to help people truly thrive, which is again, achieve at a really high level, but also be truly happy. And the piece that like, I learned, gosh, it's probably a couple of years ago now, but I repeat it over and over again, is, is about the definition of what truly happy really means, right? Because mm -hmm. happiness kind of gets a bad rap. It's kind of like manifesting, like I'm a happiness coach. You know, how well would that resonate? Yeah. But I think happiness is what we all really want. And I, I had the chance to get to know a guy named Sean Acor. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sean. Yeah. He's a positive psychology guy. And I was doing some work with a company that he was affiliated with. And through familiarizing myself with his work, he, he uses the ancient Greek definition of happiness, which is the experience of joy while in pursuit of our potential. Very nice. And like, if there's one thing that I really want for my clients, if there's one thing that I really want for my kids, if there's one thing I really want for myself, like that just hit me like right in the heart. Like that's, that's what I want. I want the experience of joy but I don't want it to be like, oh, I just went bankrupt and I'm still smiling. You know, I want it to be like I'm in pursuit of my potential. I'm doing what I'm here to do and I'm doing it in a way that is the experience of joy. So you asked me for one word. I gave you a lot more than one word. Um, but that connection between thriving and really getting what true happiness is, like that's, that's the outcome that I'm looking for, for, for my kids, for my clients and for myself. Well, Robert, I'm grateful for our interview today, and I know you've left us many nuggets. And for our audience, whether they're on YouTube watching us or listening on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, they're going to have them thinking and leaving that seed planted about masterminds, accountability, really stepping up your daily rituals. And one of the greatest things that I like when you talk about the prosperity game is really don't let other people hold you to a standard that they want you to keep you at. When you see yourself at that $200,000, keep yourself there and keep your standards high. And uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how 
your expert, you are a product of your expectations. So if you lower those expectations, you lower what you're, what you're going to be producing. So if you keep yep. your standards high, you're going to produce high. So I'd rather be in the high side than reduce any expectations to meet someone else's lower standard. Absolutely. Yeah. And those expectations are so critical. It's a, it's a great question. Like something happens and it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And someone says, well, what did you expect? Yeah. Ooh, exactly. That's a great question. <laughs> Let's think about that. And yeah, I share that. Most, and of I, the, most of the time, yeah. well, the results do match what we really expect. I mean, my youngest daughter's in school at Stanford and when they hang around that place, people have a different level of expectations yeah. for what's going to happen in their life than if you hang out at the corner bar. You know, they, yeah. they expect to achieve at a really high level because that's just what people at Stanford do. And, and also and I'm going to attach to that, Robert, which I think you're going to really like because I shared that concept with someone and they said, even though there's expectation, I also am a product of my intention. Mm -hmm. So it really yeah, ties well that's, in that's, that high intention, yeah. right? Yeah. So you and I could just get, we could make like, we do the first like four week podcast if we keep going. <laughs> I know. We will never end this podcast. And I know oh, wait, we're in the gym. One more thing. <laughs> we could be driving in the car. We are going to wrap this up so you can get back to whatever you're needing to do in your life. Listen to us again. Um, I'm wanting to, again, thank you, Robert, for joining us on the Millionaire Woman Show where we talk about leadership, business, and human potential. And we'd love for you to go over to, to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, write us a review, give us a five-star high five if it resonates with you, of course, and send us some ideas. If you want to comment or share something about the show that we've had today, please pop me an email, send Robert an email, let us know how you enjoyed the show so that we can continue to serve others. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And my wish for you, as always, is go out and make today great. Have a great day, everyone.